At this time, we'll excuse the kindergartners and first graders. And we'll have our Bibles open to Mark chapter 4. I wonder if you've ever felt like this, like the treadmill of your life is speeding up and your legs won't go any faster. Somehow the life is speeding up and you just can't get your legs to go any faster than how life is coming to you. Maybe you feel like your life assignment, the, the, the role God has given you to play is just too big. It's too heavy. It's too burdensome. Maybe in a quiet moment, lying in your bed or driving in your car, you have this thought. Am I making any difference at all? I mean, I'm giving all of this effort. I'm trying to get my feet to go faster. And when I have a moment just to stop, you just ask yourself, maybe, am I doing anything? Am I making any meaningful contribution? I had this picture in my mind of of finding uh, someone who's gotten their car stuck in the mud. And you've decided to help out. So you've gotten back on the back bumper and, you know, you're trying to lift up the car and they're trying to give it the gas and hopefully get the thing out of the mud. And and you may have felt like this in your life. You're lifting and they're giving it the gas, but all you're getting is mud being spun out into your face. And you feel like you're giving all of your effort. But when you look at yourself, you just say, I don't know if all that effort's amounting to anything. I don't know if this is really worthwhile. I ate lunch with a friend last week who's been a pastor for several years. And I sat down and after we ordered, I looked at him and I said, how do you do it? I mean, how do you keep going? Because it feels like sometimes in ministry, and I know this feels this way in your life, it, the treadmill speeding up and my legs aren't get, going any faster. I'm picking up, I'm pushing, and it just feels like I'm getting dirty. I'm not really making much progress. How do you know if you're moving forward? And you know, when I sat there and was talking to him, and you've had these conversations with your friends, I thought to myself, what am I asking for from this person? What is it that I want? And I concluded I really wasn't looking for an answer. I was just looking for encouragement. I mean, he gave some answers and those were helpful. But really, I just wanted to sit down with somebody who's been in that same chair and say, well, let's keep going. If you have a a young child and you're having some difficulty with them, really, you're looking for some answers. But a lot of what you're looking for is I just want to find somebody else who's been there or is there and is just going to say, keep going. Be encouraged. Don't don't stop. And I think that that is what Christ is preparing his disciples for here in these parables in our text. He's just about ready to take his disciples on a little field trip, which we're going to get to next week. In Mark 
And these, this field trip he's going to take his disciples on is going to test them in every possible area of their life. And so right before he takes them, he's going to say, I want you to remember these things. I want you to be encouraged because when you get outside, it can be very discouraging. And so that's what I hope this sermon is today. When you get outside, when you continually try to do ministry, you're trying to do what God's called you to do, it can be very discouraging. So let's listen to what Jesus has to say and be encouraged by the reminders that he gave his disciples. The first reminder is to keep digging deeply into Christ. Never lose your focus. The second one, you scatter the seed, but let God be God. You have a role, you have a responsibility, and God has a role. He has a responsibility. Let's make sure you know who's who in that. And finally, you might be stunned by the results. So let's look together. The background here is we have uh, we started our series. What does it mean to follow Christ back in chapter three, verse 13? The, the rabbi Christ has come down from an all night prayer session, 313, and he's chosen his 12 disciples, his followers, and he's given them this massive assignment. Remember, in the text, there are three things he's chosen these 12 men to do. The first one. Be with me. I've called you first to be with me. The second thing, as I've called you to preach or proclaim, to go out into all the world. And the third thing is to take on the demons of the world. You now have authority to cast out demons. And then we read in chapter 411, Jesus adds this little statement. He says, to you, to you have been you have been given The secret of the kingdom of God. And we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. What does it mean to have the secret of the kingdom of God? Now, I'm trying to imagine being one of these 12 unschooled, ordinary men. And be given this task. They're on the sort of familiar routine treadmill of being a fisherman. Being a tax collector. And now, with this call, they've been given charge to carry the secret of the kingdom of God into all of the world. I mean, you talk about a treadmill that suddenly starts speeding up and you feel like you can't get your legs underneath you. This is what these guys must have thought about. Well, the secret we know is Christ, the lamp here in verse 21 is Christ. The lamp is being brought out into all the world and the disciples are being given the charge to bring that out so that anybody who's listening, anybody who's seeking, anybody who's knocking, we want it as easily available as possible to these people. And so the charge given to the first 12 disciples is also a charge given to us. In the 21st century, we're not supposed to live safely huddled together underneath a steeple. But you and I are the lamp. We're the stand. We're the stand. Christ has come and he's looking for a stand 
The lamp is looking for a stand to be put on. And that's what we are. We're the stand out into the community. And we come here to be encouraged. And then you go and you take a stand. You get out in some dark spot and the light of Christ begins to shine out in your life. Last night we were talking about this because we're memorizing the middle school memory verse for today. That Paul in Philippians 2 gives the readers this charge to shine. Remember this? To shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. That's the charge for these 12 men. They're getting this little teaching opportunity because pretty soon, next week, they're going to go on this field trip and you're going to find out if they're really willing to take their stand out in a dark place. It's easy when we're around all of our friends. Oh, stand up for Jesus. Yeah. Remember that little song? When there's a little vacation Bible school song, stand up, stand up for Jesus. I'm sorry, that's going to be on tape too, but it's something like that. Well, when you get together like this, everybody wants to be a stand. But when you get out into the darkness, there's a tendency to want to hide, to, to be like a lamp underneath a bowl. I'm not so sure I want to be a stand. And so he's trying to encourage his disciples. He does that in three ways. Verse 24, he said to them, Notice what he says. Pay attention. I mean, I don't know what's happening. I don't know if he's sitting there and he sees they all start filling with the ground or ants are walking by or I mean, we don't know exactly what's happening, but he's going to say something important. And he says, pay attention. I mean, this is important. I don't want you to miss this piece. And so like a good preacher, he's saying, pay attention. The measure with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And still more will be added. That's kind of an unusual phrase here. With the measure you use, with that same measure, it's going to be measured back to you. But then still more is going to be added. The picture for measure here is like a scale. And Christ is saying, OK, you've got to put something on the scale. And, and I'm going to give something back. It's not going to be equal. I'm going to give back more. So the more you put on the scale, the more you're going to get back. And so he's trying to help his disciples see before they get out that I don't want you to lose your focus. In fact, I want you to remember, invest everything you can into me. See, a lot of times we feel like we're investing everything we can into Christ right now or at a Bible study or during a prayer time. And then we we go out there and do whatever. And then we come back all the time. Christ is saying, never lose your focus. Always you're investing into me. You're pouring your life into me. You're giving everything you can to me. And the more you give the same measure and even more is going to be given back. The return isn't equal. I, I had this picture in my mind of uh, a person being in a field and they were told there was great riches in the field. But you had to somehow dig, dig a piece of it up. It wasn't very obvious. And you went out to the field and, and if you were listening, if you were seeking, if you were knocking, you just broke the surface and you found sort of a dollar coin. And you're going, wow. And you scratched around your eyes. There's dollar coins everywhere. 
And it, you begin to scratch the surface all around you. You get all these dollar coins. And then maybe just by accident, you dig a little bit deeper and you realize, well, just underneath the dollar coins are hundred dollar coins. Well, so you're kind of skipping the dollar coins now because you just have to dig a little bit deeper to get the hundred dollar coins. And then you said, oh, I'll dig a little deeper. And then you got the thousand dollar coins. And so what he's saying is keep investing, keep digging as deep as you can, because the deeper you're giving yourself to me, the more you give to me, even more is going to be given back. You couldn't possibly outgive God in your life. So don't be discouraged. Keep giving yourself to me and he's going to give back even more than what you give. I want us to note that the deeper you dig into Christ should not have this effect. The deeper you dig into Christ should not have this effect. It creates greater distance between you and somebody who's lost. See, because that happens pretty frequently, I'm afraid. People begin to dig and think, oh, this is great. And you feel like, you've probably known some people, they just begin to work themselves away from the people who need the truth. The, the deeper you dig into Christ, the brighter your light is, the further you should be plunged into the darkness. Paul experiences a great light on the Damascus Road and he goes into the most pagan situations. He ends up in the darkest prisons. So the more you dig into Christ, the bigger your heart should be for the lost. You see how that happens in Matthew 22? Seek the Lord with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, everything you can. You're pouring it into Christ and then what's going to come right in behind it? Love your neighbor as yourself. You're not going to create distance by knowing Christ more and more. And if that's happening in your life, then something's going wrong. The more you know about Christ, the bigger heart you should have for the darkness in which you live. And so I ask this question, are you in a difficult place? Is your life assignment too difficult? Do you say sometimes, I just don't want to be a stand anymore. I, I really just want to hide under a bowl. I'm tired of being that person. Here's my encouragement. Throw all you can into Christ. Read your Bible. Pray. Get on your knees. Do everything you can to pour your life into Christ. And His promise is that even more will be given back to you. The second encouragement. Well, let me say one last thing. Paul says this. No eye has seen. No ear has heard. No mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love Him. The second encouragement. In the second parable here. And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. Verse 27, he sleeps and he rises at night during the day and the seed sprouts and grows. He doesn't even know how. The earth produces by itself. The blade, the ear, the full grain of ear 
And then the grain is ripe, and at once he puts it to the sickle because the harvest has come. Two important reminders, two important encouragements for us. First of all, we have a role. Verse 26, we are scattering the seed. We're spreading the gospel. We're shining like a star in the universe. We're going into all the world, the Great Commission. We are, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians, we're ambassadors. It's as if God is using us to speak to other people. He's speaking to other people by our lives. That's why the church exists. However, and this is a big however, we are to scatter the seed. That's our role. But I want you to notice that Christ is saying God is sovereign. God is sovereign, and he does it by talking about the man. See, a man scattered the seed, and once the seed is scattered, you know, whether he sleeps, he rises, whether it's at night, during the day, he doesn't even know how. The seed itself has an energy all by itself. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is it's alive. It's living. You're scattering something out that has life in itself. And that's what's doing the work. You and I are just scattering. It has an energy. It's living. It's active. First Corinthians 3. Remember this argument that the poor Corinthians got into. And I'm afraid sometimes we get into that argument. Who you know, who you've been taught by. Oh, I've learned from this great teacher. Well, I've learned from this great teacher. And you end up with these battles. And you're not really battling over the word. You're battling because you've taken a position of someone else. And in Corinthians, they've said, well, I learned from Apollos. Well, I learned from Peter. Well, I learned from Paul. And you remember what Paul comes in and says? Look, I, I may have watered. Somebody else may have planted but it's God who makes it grow. It's all about God. We're not shining our light back on a person. We're always shining our light back on Christ. We can't explain its growth. That's up to God. When I planted, used to plant gardens with my kids, and if you, you've done this, you make a mound, and let's say you're going to plant uh, squash. And you want two squash plants in this mound. How many seeds are you going to plant? Two? No. You can plant five or six because you don't know. You're sticking them in the ground and you don't know if they're going to pop up. And then if five or six pop up, then you thin them out to the two plants that you want. And so our job is to scatter the seed. We, we have no idea. We come back every day. We check and see if anything breaking out of the ground. We don't know which seed is going to take. Our job, our role is to scatter the seed. To make it grow, that's God's role. And so here are my questions. First of all, are you holding out? Are you holding out the word of life? Are you stretching out into the darkness? Who's on your prayer list? Who do you regularly pray for? Who do you weep over that doesn't know Christ? Are you hiding out? You only talk about Christ around your Christian friends. You're kind of under a bowl. You're under a bed. You're not really sharing the gospel. 
you're afraid, you're discouraged. And Christ is trying to encourage us here. Our job is to scatter the seed. Secondly, are you holding out the word of life? Are you scattering the word? Or are you scattering your opinions? There's a big difference between those two. Are you out there telling people about Christ? Are you giving them life, what's energy, what's active, what, what grows? Or are you giving them your opinion? Are you giving them a personality like Paul or Peter or Paulus? Are you giving them a program? Are you giving them some popular book? Are you holding out the word of life? If you have a, a spouse, a friend a family member, a co-worker who doesn't know Christ? Are you just telling them the gospel? Are you trying to make it grow? Are you trying to be God? Have you planted the seed and then you've reached in and you're trying to pull it out of the ground? That's not our job. It can be so easy to do. We come alongside and we have this well-meaning heart and then suddenly it just doesn't look like much is happening. It's not working on my timetable and i got to get in there and God needs my help. And so you begin to manage, you begin to manipulate. And you might be putting to death the seed that you planted. So you're holding out the word, you're stretching yourself out, you're hiding you scattering the truth of the word or are you scattering your opinions? And I think the hardest one, are you trying to force something to grow or are you allowing God to take the credit for that? See, I'm afraid that if we saw it grow by our own forcefulness, guess who would get the credit? We would. I remember... In Young Life, I had come from this club, this Young Life meeting where a bunch of high school students get together in Greensboro. It was this big club, Greensboro Page High School, and there were 150, 200 kids. And I just thought by the force of your personality, you walked out to the high school and you put up some signs and bingo, it happened. That's what I really thought. And I was in for a rude awakening when I went to Northeast and Spring Valley High School in Columbia, South Carolina. Because I went out there and thought, I'm a pretty likable fella. I'm, you know, I can tell some jokes. That's John Gale, former member. Yeah. <laughs> okay, pay attention. All right, ready? And I really thought, just by the force of my personality, and I put up some really neat signs, I thought they were attractive, that 100, 150 kids would come. Look, the school was 2,500 kids. I was looking for like a half a percent. Four kids. I never had a club bigger that year than 18 kids. And God was saying, Paul, you're not God. It's not about you, buddy. You can't go out there and pull it out of the ground and make it grow. You, Paul, you can scatter seed. That's what you were made for. I was made for making things to grow.
And see, it took me a long time. It took me some very difficult lessons to realize that. I'm doing my part. I'm allowing God to do his part. That's going to be an encouragement for us when we get out there and we get discouraged and we feel like things not going right. We're saying, am I being faithful to scatter? Yes, I am. Okay. Then if it's not growing right now, that's up to God. That's not up to me. Finally, I think we can be stunned by the results in the parable of the mustard seed. This is a mustard seed. There's a whole this is a whole bottle of them. Let me just see if I can pull out one. Can you see it from where you are? That's one mustard seed. And if you plant it and it grows, it could grow to 10 or 12 feet high. High enough that birds could come in and make a nest in it. You'd never imagine this little investment would have that kind of return. What can we compare the kingdom of God or or what parable can we use for it? I like this little phrase. I, I, I don't know, again, the, the setting. He's by the Sea of Galilee near Capernaum, and Christ is looking at his disciples saying, now, let's see if we can think of another example. I mean, I mean how are we going to compare the kingdom of God to you here on earth? And I don't know if he's sort of reiterating it again to, to attract the attention of the listeners, or he's saying... How do I help an, a finite created being understand the in, infinite, eternal kingdom of God? I, I'm, I'm trying to figure this out. I'm looking around for an illustration, and he finds a little mustard seed or sees a mustard plant. I love that because Jesus is able to take the most indescribable information and put it on the bottom shelf. So everyone can reach in if they're willing to seek, to find, to knock. It's not too high. He's not using fancy words. He's putting it right where everybody can reach in and say, oh, I can can understand that. But the purpose of the parable is to be encouraging. And Mark is writing not just to us. He's writing to the Christians in Rome. And if you were a Christian in Rome about the time of the writing of this book, you would have been easily discouraged. Uh, The Romans were systematically eliminating the Christians. For fun, they might wrap Christians around a post and burn them as a torch at a garden party. For entertainment, they would put them in an arena just as a toy for an animal or a gladiator to use. And I'm guessing that it felt like for some of them, hey, every time we go out and we're a stand, the fewer of us there are. So it doesn't feel like it's very productive. Not much is happening, at least positively, when we go out there and we take a stand. You know, the Roman government is just too big. I mean, we're just a, we're just a tiny little seed. The system, the world, it's too big. It crushes us when we get out there. And so we feel like hiding instead of being a stand. God seems to regularly use the insignificant to move forward. Abraham. Moses. David. Esther. I mean, these people before... 
they were written about in the Bible. They were nobodies. God just used the most insignificant person to bring about in a tremendous thing. We see that in the Old Testament. We see it particularly in Jesus. The insignificant Jewish rabbi, born in a stable, questionable background, at his death, and maybe 500 followers. Most of those, the closest ones, scattered out. A lot of hope, a lot of thought that, well, this is the one, this, this is what's going to do it. But the Roman government, the Pharisees, it just, it was too big. And Christ died. A little seed, what seemed like nothing, got planted. And something indescribable happened. Something bigger than we could possibly imagine. The disciples were looking and saying, I guess that's it. And you see, when Christ came out of the tomb, something began to explode that was bigger than we could even imagine. And it's still happening. Christ is taking the little insignificant pieces that we're willing to scatter ourselves out into the lives of people. And even though we may say, it just doesn't look like anything's happening. And we may not see it in our lifetime. That if we have the right perspective, it can grow beyond anything we could possibly imagine. I wonder if Peter thought about this parable after his first sermon in Acts. You know, Peter had been terribly discouraged. He, he swore that he would be allegiant to Christ. He cut off the soldier's ear and then he disowned Christ. He saw him die and he just thought it was all over. And then I wonder after his first sermon in Acts, when 3,000 people responded to the scattering of the seed, if he went, wow, this is, this is more than I could possibly imagine. 3,000 people in one sermon. Because he was faithful just to scatter The truth of the gospel. That's what has power. Have you ever felt too small? Maybe the internal challenges of your life seem too big to conquer. You have to conquer some foes in your own home. The world seems too big. I'm too insignificant. Don't lose focus. Throw everything you can into Christ all the time. The more you throw into him, the bigger the measure that you get back out. Remember what your role is. You have a role. You have a responsibility to scatter the seed. It's not your role to make it grow. You cannot do that in your own life. You can't do that in the life of your spouse. You cannot do that in the life of your children or your neighbor or your coworker. That is for God alone. You take your tiny little trust in the magnificence of the secret of the kingdom of God. And it can blow away anything you could possibly imagine. I want you to be encouraged today. It's difficult. If you're like me, you get tired of just being a stand. Let's pray. Lord, some of us are very aware of this kind of discouragement. I pray for those people that they would throw everything they can into Christ. 
for those who have the bright light of the knowledge, of the secret of the kingdom of God, may they be thrown into the darkest places. May you have mercy and grace on us all. Lord, what we have to give today is small. But I pray during this time of offering that you would take what we give and multiply it in a way that's beyond our asking and beyond our imagination. In Christ's name, amen.